So that's the whole key. Is right. How do you use technology yep. in a way that still yep. is building a relationship, even if it's with someone that you've never met? There's a way of doing it, but people aren't thinking that. They're thinking more just the automation. It's like, how do you build that relationship into that? That's where the magic happens. Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders Podcast, a show where we interview high-voltage entrepreneurs growing and scaling through e-commerce, real estate, and other Wealth Without Wall Street ventures, showing you the path to making your first or next million. So tell me about this lead gen thing on LinkedIn, because I know I do a little bit of inbound inbox marketing. I try to make it as benign as possible, more connection-related, very less pitch, but I get pitched all the time on LinkedIn, and it's turning into one of those things. It's how many different times can I get pitched in one day on LinkedIn? for which type of offer. I've even got things now that they're trying to keep giving me build outs for construction job sites. And I'm like, I, you have got this completely wrong. <laughs> what are you talking know, about? How could you miss like that, that Mark? So I do two, I do actually two or three different things with clients. So the first thing is I just completely ignore the whole DM chaos and all that stuff that you're getting. I don't do any of that, right? Yeah. So LinkedIn is actually like this secret amazing platform if you approach it correctly in terms of building relationships. And I use, I use my tiny thunder formula, which is basically third party stories or personal stories that I wrap around to illustrate an idea or a value or a process. And that really works really well. And there's also LinkedIn events. So you can create events online as well. It, It just feels a little bit more professional than just or automated webinar link, that makes any sense. It's like regular kind of posting, but in content niche postings in like my personal profile. Am I doing this in like I do groups? personal and, profile. And, and it does sound much more like attraction marketing, right? Which is what we're, we love to talk attraction, about. Attraction, relationship. Versus, yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. I am like really yeah. anti-swarmy. Okay. So I don't do any of that. I, I'm always trying to find ways. And the thing about it is if you do, because there's so much swarmy out there, that when you do approach people with like sharing relationship, we know you can even share. I've got hysterical stories about my life here. It's insane. There's always a fun story every single day. And I'll share that. And people love that as well. The thing is, people think that people on LinkedIn are like, you know, have their tie on and their suit jacket on. It's just not true. They're human beings too. And, and interestingly enough, because Tiny Thunder is all about using metaphoric stories. There are millions of them on there, but you know, it's just a very, it's a little bit more intelligent dialogue. As long as you keep away from the whole DM morass, I think you'd be sort of like you open the door to the actual LinkedIn and you get pleasantly surprised. It's just different networks have different feelings. If I had to describe Twitter, it's going into a convention hall where everybody's yelling at each other and no one's listening. (laughs) Facebook is kind of like that weird family Thanksgiving where it's just very kind of awkward at times with people and conversations. And then somebody just interjects something totally inappropriate into any conversation (laughs) at any time, right? Which is kind of like family Thanksgivings at time. And then LinkedIn to me is kind of like one of those social gatherings you don't want to go to with 200 business cards you hand out that no one cares of. And they usually throw them away on the other way out. And everybody looks the same, tastes the same, and kind of is this really pompous, professional kind of atmosphere. So that's how I would describe the social media networks, in my opinion. Don't get me started on TikTok. Instagram is about to get eliminated, in my opinion, with the whole AI fake thing, because you can go out and start faking AI Instagram profiles with AI creation systems that make it look like real profiles, real travelers, real people, and the whole thing is completely fake. So I think Instagram is about to go through a major shift that they can't overcome. So LinkedIn, again, it just has to, it just feels 
it feels like, uh, how do I say this the right way? It feels like one of those awkward high school reunions 20 years later <laughs> where everybody shows up, right? And they have that w- weird moment, whether it's, am I really successful or not? Am I that loser they thought I was in high school? Or is this going to be something that's great? And then the, the weird guy gets out and starts dancing on the stage. And then the two people are making out and you're like, wait, isn't she married to this guy? And it's this weird thing on LinkedIn, right? Am I wrong? It just feels like that to me. That's actually how I used to think of it. And I have, this is like, become this is like my new sort of baby because I'm realizing it's like this sort of really powerful tool that most people think exactly what you think. It's, oh my God, I'm going to die of boredom in LinkedIn. Get me out of here or give me a drink, right? And, and I, and, but actually if you dig down and you start reaching out to people and you try to ignore, you have to ignore, there's a lot of stuff going on there that you really don't want to be part of, like all those insane DMs that you get, right? I mean, I get hundreds of them yeah. every day and it's, they're trying to, my last name is Rice and some people are trying to sell me rice packages. It's, no, that's <laughs> there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of Asian DM no. profiles from these young girls and you look at it and it's one picture of a girl and nothing on the LinkedIn profile and she's like, hey, uh, you want sexy time? I'm like, no, get away from me, I'm married. <laughs> I don't, I could get the odd man, but I don't get the you know, sexy yeah. time thing. <laughs> that's yeah, really weird. It's, what? It's like bad infomercials show up in your inbox. That's not the real tool that I use. So just so okay. I, that's sort of like the backdrop, keeping it just sort of and things happen. And I do. It's funny. I have gotten I have gotten many clients from LinkedIn, yeah. many clients just from the organic stuff that we were just talking about. But yeah. that's sort of like yeah. the just keep creating a dr- backdrop and getting to know the good side of LinkedIn rather than the bad side. The, but yeah. what I do, which is a killer, and I know a lot of people are sort of anti-cold outreaches, but I'll tell you, if they are, if you do them correctly, they are a game changer like you cannot imagine. I'll just give you an example. I am, right now I'm working with a client who is in based in Latin America, which is notoriously, it's in the finance markets, and it's a really difficult target and it's a difficult region he's 10x his investment in four weeks doing an outreach with me just incredible and what but the reason i talk about linkedin is that the tool i use it's basically the best way to describe it is the problem with most cold out cold outreach is people put like some stupid email on a paper and copy and paste it and just Row it out into the world, thousands and thousands of emails, but that's not the way to do it. The way I do it is I, it's like hyper personalization at scale, right? And, but not scale in the sense of thousands a day, but maybe hundreds a day, right? But it's their elegant. I can count on one hand the times people say, get out of my inbox. They will either not respond or they will just say, thank you very much for your message. I actually really like the message, but I, I, this is a service that I need. But we're talking, so it's, so I use this incredible state of the art technology coupled with the sort of story based email copywriting, which is sort of my specialty and with a lot of strategic thinking. And I get incredible results for myself and for my, for my clients. And you get it right. I'm telling yeah. you, it's like having an ATM machine and it's So how elegant. did you get started into that? Like, how did you discover it was just personal testing, you going for your own clients and just yeah. through that process? I made a couple forays into cold email marketing over the years, always bad results, always like nothing, mm-hmm. basically. 
And then I started doing what I do now, hyper-personalization manually. And I started doing it manually. So I started creating my own lists and I started personalizing literally every email so that every single person would get a personal message. And that's when I started seeing the power. Now I've taken it one step up because I'm using this technology, which is called Ample Market, if anyone's interested. And it takes it to the whole other level. And the thing that's interesting about it, it's, it's, I'm also like, that other sounds really weird, but I'm coding the copy, which means that instead of having one subject line that goes out to, you know, 400 people, every single subject line, because I've coded it, is different. And I change the copy. It takes a while to do it and to set it up, and it's a little bit complicated. But once you've done it, Everyone's yeah. getting different emails and everyone's getting the right. personalized message. And they've just added another, they just added some other features that have made, it's just, it's a, a runaway success. It's really making, so I've done what I've done for many years, but I've taken a step up in the last year or so. It's very so cool. It it. Yeah. And it so is the personalization really cool. aspect, I like that. So is it sort of a combination of outbound posting and commentary into your LinkedIn profile while so, also following up with people in more of a direct messaging kind of format. Yeah, that there's that. And it's also the actual list is directly related yeah. to LinkedIn. So let me give you an example. Imagine that you are, I don't know, you want to target financial advisors or something. And there was, a okay. let's imagine there was an event or an interesting blog where a thousand people commented on it. You With this tool I have, you can take, you can look at the people that have commented or liked that particular blog, and then I can, I create a message to those people. I said, oh, I, I noticed that you looked at that blog, and I, and then I kind of segue into whatever the service is, right? And so it makes it, some people think it's slightly creepy, to be honest with you. But I, I just did a few of those Stalking last people week. on social media. Yeah, they, there is. This, but I try to do it in a way that is friendly and is. I can see where that get a little weird. If, hey, somebody's looking like, at the seven tips to trim their eyebrows. And you're like, hey, I saw you're trying to trim your eyebrows. Oh, I you have the that? best like, eyebrow remover like, thing that you. I could really see that being like one of the weird thing online with the whole feet pics and all this other nonsense. It's be like, hey, no, I, saw, he, I saw that article you read on pedicures and I've got some feet I want to show yeah, you at my OnlyFans site. <laughs> this could go sideways like really fast. If you, I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, I suppose that would work really well. I'll tell you, I sent out a message. About, someone had written a post about, about LinkedIn Gen, actually. And I sent out, there were like maybe 200 people that had liked and commented. I have gotten probably about 10 meetings outreach. 200 people, not 2,000, 200 people. And I've gotten 10 meetings and my guess is I'll close about half of those. It's a, it's like a power saw. And and what I like targeted. about it is if it's targeted and it's, mm-hmm. there's, it's not, it doesn't have the yuck factor. There's a, Yeah, I can kind of see that because it's like, if I'm hearing you correctly, so if I, I almost see this being industry wide, I was trying to think of an industry it may not work with including e-com, but if I'm into real estate or legion or financial services or business services, or even if I have an e-com product that might solve something, if somebody's looking at a health and beauty article on skincare and I happen to sell a skincare product, I could say, hey, I saw you saw this skincare stuff. You ever seen this product over here? Blah, blah, blah. I could kind of segue e-com even into that if I'm hearing you correctly for products or opportunities in that segment if I wanted to teach, get into more people's inboxes about my physical products. No, you're not wrong. And people do use it that way. I personally specialize in B2B, not Uh B2C. 
I personally, sure. I find it sure. has the most power with B2B high ticket, high ticket being anywhere from five. Yeah. But I could even and, see that on the e-com side because I would do something in, in just following brain thought on real time, mind mapping this out here with you for a second. I could literally see targeting somebody if I had a skincare product who just read an article on fitness yes. and then saying, hey, I, I got a great product. Yes. I'd love you to try it. I've got a, a cash back offer if you're interested yes. so you can buy it Absolutely. and I'll give you, you know, $20 cash back on the product or something. Would you like to give this a try? It's almost an irresistible offer if you position it correctly. I could see that. I Absolutely. And uh, I know people who like, you... Yeah, and absolutely. I know people yeah. who do B2C with it. Now you've got me all motivated to do a few trials with that because when you think about it. Well, I have some products. So here, let's do it. Let's do that. But, you know, the thing about it let's is. Do it. I you, like know, it. you don't expect that. You expect <laughs> that kind of thing on Facebook, right? But you don't. Sure, but these people are LinkedIn. still people on Facebook. I mean, most of the pro styles yeah. cross over to multiple social networks there, now, getting, so it's not unusual. It's just, which shower do I want to take? If I'm in Twitter or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, it's, you know, if I'm a LinkedIn, it's, again, which shower do I want to take for which network I'm in today? So I have to shower every day because I'm in every network. Not everybody <laughs> has to do that. Right. So I could see it being just applicable to the audience or conversation type. But I don't know that a person who could get an offer that's irresistible would take that offer down on any or not take it down on any network you connected them on if it was the right target, right audience. That's absolutely that right. But that times. thing is yeah. a little bit more. If I get an email, if I looked at that healthcare product or the health beauty product, you know, you had an e-commerce product for and I got an email from you saying, oh, I noticed that you were looking at that blog and I have a product that I think would really complement that or whatever. I would really pay attention to that, right? Because you can't yeah. do a, I don't say the word cold, actually, but my, you can't do an outreach like that with Facebook. You can only do it with LinkedIn because of the, you might be able to do it on Facebook, but you can retarget people on Facebook, right? But you can't mm. say, Hey, I mm -hmm. saw that you were, you looked at that article or you can't, yeah, as far as I know. You, you would need some sort of third party tool or scraping system yeah. in order to be you able might to, be do able it, to do it. And then you could cold DM them, but the people hate that on Facebook, of course, as much as they hate it on LinkedIn. Yeah. But I feel the thing about it is, I think that the outreaches are, if they're done correctly, don't have to have the yuck factor. They don't, but I get yuck factors all the time in my in inbox, by the way, every day. And it's like they're not well, they're not well. You have to be really clear who you want to talk to and exactly what they want. That's right. And, yeah, on and Facebook, if I see somebody commenting or I get tagged on something or it's related to the business side of what I'm doing in commerce, I'll see somebody who comments on it. I'll reach out to them and say, hey, I saw you were on that post with such and he tagged me in it. And I thought you might like to know some information. Just ask me any questions. I'll help you out. So just a non-threatening way of just stepping into somebody's cold DM box, but not being like. Exactly. But your, it's the same thing. And that's what I'm doing with it's my campaigns. That's what I'm doing with no, my like campaigns, it. but just at scale. Right. right. It's the exact same thing, but it's just more. Yeah. And it's more automated. So that's the whole key. Is right. How do you use technology yep. in a way that yep. still is building a relationship, even if it's with someone that you've never met? There's a way of doing it, but people aren't thinking that. They're thinking more just the automation. It's like, how do you build that relationship into that? And that's where the magic happens, in my opinion. I'd argue they're even one level different. They're into, I need sales mode. And so mostly they come across a little too pushy, a little too fast, a little yeah. too get on my 15 minute call, a little too hard on the sales and less on the relationship. 
which typically takes time and an average amount of touch points and other things to draw people in if you're going to do it the right way with real loyalty and and especially at certain high ticket levels above four or five figures or more you people are going to see you talk to you and be around you for anywhere between you know 30 to 160 days on average or even more depending upon where they are and whether or not they trust you people are think uh, would you agree that people are kind of pushing back towards more of the long form relationship driven content yes there's there's an area of that happening that's well, how I, we were having a debate about this earlier because the real thing is getting out of control really fast. That's a double autonomy or was that a, a double, double negative? What was that? <laughs> the real thing is getting real, real fast. My English f- friends on here, my grammar Nazis are going to be totally eating me after this one. But the aspect of short content and constant contact, we've gotten into this super scrolling two hour, got stuck going through a hundred videos or more thing. And I, I feel the resistance to that coming up. I feel people are starting to resist it a little. Maybe I'm wrong. It's just perception. And of I course, saw we I'm put close them about that today. And everything else, but, but so did, I'm not maybe alone in this. Oh, no, you're totally, they were saying that the, basically they were saying that short term reels and all of that were going to kill direct response. I think it's not helping it to some degree. What I like, what I analogized it as reels are like the dime bag when everybody really wants the Coke. So at the end, you need to figure out what your dime bag situation is to get them to come to the Coke consumption so that they'll stay there longer. I think there's that, but I do think, I mean, one of the things that I talked about in my book, which is it's a chronic problem is the lack of attention. So before yeah, you even build is. trust, oh boy. you need to get someone to like see your car in the street, right? So that's the first hurdle we need to go get over. And the, I think the argument yeah. is all these short reels just makes the attention even more dispersed, right? And when we, we understand really... it, I think we feel it and there's a bit of resistance to it that's coming up due to the amount of consumption. It's almost like people I would analogize it to, to people are like eating five Big Macs, thinking it's a really great idea and then realizing how much it sucks. And that was a really dumb idea. And so they're starting to pull back on the indigestion because they're like, oh, my gosh, this is too much. This is crazy. Plus, it's now warning you constantly on your iPhone. Your screen time's up by 7,900% over last week. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> These things are starting to check us, right? And here's, your screen time is down 7,900% last week. Okay, down. That's good. Now we're headed in the right direction. But I know that for me and in the B2B side and the conversations and topics, I typically don't want to digest long-form content, video or otherwise, unless I'm really interested in the topic or the person who's involved. And at that level, I'm willing to reach out and connect and be something available to them. And for us in the B2B world, as you're saying here, and, and if the things we do with clients and and business building to get out to a 36 month exit or a 48 month exit with a business requires someone who's willing to watch a 48 minute video on how to do something or when to do something or why you would do something or a training, a mechanism, a podcast or something. So I'm typically finding that I throw out a lot of that short flow kind of concepts, but I hit it really hard. It's very punchy. I'll typically do it for 15 seconds or less. And then it's really go watch the long content. If you're really serious, right. go watch this. Go So it's been 50 right. minutes with me and we'll see how serious you really are. And that works. And it works to qualify thing, the right people, but yeah, it does take quite a bit of time to do it. Well, a guy, uh, someone was talking the other day that I thought was quite interesting, was, which was he doesn't do webinars anymore, which I consider longer form content, but he would do live long form he invites people in and they pay, what, $300, $200 to go into a workshop, a live workshop. And then what he does yeah. is he sells. He doesn't do one-on-one. He goes from the workshop, you know, where there are like maybe 12 people in it, not 200 like we have, we normally have. This is all sort of against the traditional wisdom, right? Normally, you know, you want to pack them yeah. in. But, and then he, what he does is he, I mean, yeah. he- Go on a webinar. Yeah. And then, but he has 12 on the webinar and then he closes them. 
and there's no more yeah. one-on-one. My mentor, Kevin Nations, I don't know if you know who he is or not, yeah, but I, um, I I've know had Kevin. A, a couple of mentor. Yeah, a couple of mentorship relationships with him, and he really tur- turned me off to the webinar thing. He really helped me understand that his phrasing of, you know, what's a, an alpha male, but a benevolent alpha male situation to create this opportunity to do more attraction at smaller group levels, but at he higher control and higher a- adoption. Yeah, yeah him and, and Travis Sago, guys I respect, guys I follow, guys whose time I paid for, and I've watched their content, all of it, because I consumed it down to that. And very similar to that, I have now followed away from trying to get lots of bookings. In fact, I don't want lots of bookings. I just want regular conversations with folks, and we do it in a, in a more one-on-one conversational format. And then I don't, I do the live workshops too. I do them for free, but I'll do them in a small group format. And like that, I will typically have 10 to, to max 40 or so people on. But what ends up happening is that they stay on a majority of the time, 60 to 80% of them will stay through a three-day workshop when the training and, and connectivity is at that level uh, of conversation. And then I know who's serious at the end of it, whether they can join the offer or not is, is up for question, but they're all very serious about it by the time they get there because it's like a five-minute invite at the end of the workshop, five minutes at the end to invite them to allow me to speak about what I'm doing and how I'm right. doing it. But for the rest right. of the two, three 90-minute sessions, I never mentioned any of that. There's about value and time of a value, and it's worth my time to do that. And there's a value for people to build that relationship and structure, even if they come back six months later and be like, hey, I was on your thing six months ago, and I've been saving cash or thinking about businesses, or I went and tried this other thing and came back, and that was stupid, and I'm ready to work with you now. So we have to be patient. I am a big believer. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how I tackle my entire life. Play the long game. You got to play the long game. And that, I think it's actually a competitive advantage. People don't get that. You don't have to yell. And, yeah. You don't have to yell and shout about what you're doing. You just play the long yeah. game. Be crystal clear about what you're doing, yeah. be, and that, and yeah. be consistent about what you're doing. Also, be consistent yeah. and yet also evolve. Like so, a lot of the things that I've been doing with email innovations. Yep, I wasn't as hooked into the LinkedIn thing and the, and the technology as much as I could have been. But it doesn't matter. I was building the blocks, and I learned a ton doing it manually. And now I'm like smooth sailing but it takes i don't think people get that to be really to have something that is really special that really adds value you have to get in there and do it over a period of time i wholeheartedly a lot of people don't in in a what are we a six second or seven second attention span society now where they tested apes at eight seconds or was it chimpanzees i don't remember goldfish 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 were doing better than us just hey people come on now you want to act all intellectual, but you got the attention span of a goldfish. So we got to fix some of those personal problems, get through the tortoise and the hare scenario. We all know the story. Totally right? the you know, tortoise and the hare. Everybody races out with the hare. I see the hares out there jumping around from offer to offer, from situation to situation, bragging about their Lambos and their 1,500 people on a webinar. I've never had 1,500 people on a webinar, so maybe I'm a loser internet marketer. Okay. Tag me as a loser internet marketer. I don't care. The end result is there are statistics and numbers of value and, pro- and proselytization, and then there's actual business and operations and there's doing the doing what you say you do and being consistent over time whether you're running an e-com or a real estate business or an airbnb or whatever your niche your business or you're just happy to be in your w-2 running your job all the time whatever it is be consistent in it is a very valuable statement from you today that i, I so agree too. with 100 because we're missing that long-term consistency no one can run a marathon anymore because we're too fat to do it sorry that was totally off topic but the, we were laughing about that with my wife this morning about pictures from the 70s, how everybody's all fit, fit and all this stuff. And right now you go to a beach in America and it's, ah. but we Ouch. were laughing. I was like, I don't eat kale. I was arguing about how kale earlier was, <laughs> I'd rather be fat than eat kale. It's I just, hate kale. kale is just I'm horrible. glad. I, I knew mean, I liked you. Yeah, I you hate kale. In, seriously. In oh, France, you can't on. find it. Like, I mean, I think I've seen kale once. 
It doesn't even exist. That would be like an affront to French cuisine, wouldn't yes. it? Be like, get you the mean, kale out of here. Come on, man. What the kale are you doing? It's gross. Like, you it can turn it into a you, you can't eat it by itself. You can hide it in things. My wife will hide it in quiche and soups, and then the kids will get some kale vegetation, but they don't know they're getting it because they'll actually be hidden into it and the smoothies and stuff. My wife does amazing things. It'll be foods and she throws all this stuff and like carrots and stuff. And they like it. They're eating it. They're downing it. And they have no idea they're getting like more than a day's worth of vitamins and minerals and vegetables and all this stuff. It's all hidden inside the food. She's gotten really good at that. Yeah, she's amazing. She's getting her big old 48-inch oven uh, today installed, I think today or tomorrow, uh, with the big old burners and her kitchen remodel is finally happening. She's doing a oh, kind of nice. a French country kitchen upgrade in the home. So she's a cook every send, day. Yeah, and she's gluten-free and soy-free and vegan-free and dairy-free and wheat-free. I call it the no-food diet because most people don't understand the, or the K-N-O-W version of the diet we eat which is sort of the no food diet. And it doesn't really look like it for me because she makes just good food. I eat too much of it. So my real problem is I eat too much of my good wife's cooking. I get better at that. But in terms of Legion and stuff, I think somebody, yeah, I think somebody heard something today of value on this call. I know that I did. And I definitely seriously want to follow up with you on that. We will talk about that. Because I have played with that. I even, I was going to ask you to mention innovation. The last topic, I think, before we roll out here was AI. And I have used AI to create some really cool blog posts that I started posting into LinkedIn and from LinkedIn then distributing it out, clicking the share buttons out to a couple of other networks. And it seems to be getting a little bit of traction. I may, you may want to put a little bit more, but I used chat GTP and I've written a persona that I've been playing with for a while and it's writing very close to my own style. And so then I'll ask it certain trendy topics about articles or other things and I'll get its own get a spin on it that is mine and then be able to basically copy and paste that into a blog post on LinkedIn. So maybe that's not the best use of my time, but innovations like that with AI, are you playing around with any of that on your side? Yeah, absolutely. The Legion, the B2B and I've written this book that came out in September with t- about Tiny Thunder, which is basically taking third-party stories that illustrate a value or benefit or a challenge that you help people overcome. And the, everyone loves the idea. The problem is finding the stories. Because, you know, mm-hmm. if I want to, yep. if I want to tell my audience that I can help them manage their anxiety, for example, or their stress, what story is going to illustrate that? Guess what? My new best mm-hmm. friend is ChatGPT because it can help me. Mm-hmm. It can't write the metaphoric story, but it can certainly yes. help me find wonderful film scenes or children's books or memes that, that illustrate the problem of anxiety and stress, if you will. So that's the way I like to Very. see it. I like to see it as like my chat GPT is sort of my new best friend, an assistant that helps me. It doesn't do everything. I think people are, yeah. I think right. I'm a professional writer. So I like, I want to make sure that my writing has a distinct look. And I'm not sure the G- chat GPT can create that. But it certainly can get me very far and can save me tons of time. It absolutely can. And people yeah. are like getting crazy about it and panicky about it and fearful. You should never, you should always look at these things and figure out, okay, so how can this help me? How yeah. can this bring me yeah. farther? Like a lot of writers are thinking, oh, it's going to replace me. No, it isn't. If you're, if you have, if you think about it long enough, you can just figure out a way to use it to bring, to, to get more gigs and to get Innovate. more. Yeah, innovate yeah. your style a little bit and adapt. Exactly. Use it as a tool. I mean, I'm sure that 
I'm sure the old timers, as soon as the hammer showed up, were like, what is this thing? I was like, hammer. All right. I mean, because there's always a different hammer. I mean, I'm being silly, but at the end, there is always a different hammer. There's a different hammer, right? I mean, there's an Insta pot, but there's still a reuse for a crock pot. Okay. There's air fryers, but they don't work for everything. You still need an oven. I see it as ways to innovate or optimize certain things myself. And it's interesting to hear you say that. I mean, I've been able to go in and and just yesterday show a group of 14 year olds how to make a video in like less than seven minutes with somebody else's audio from the content that came from GDP that was put into Luminum that was put into 11 labs that put a video out in about seven minutes that was really professionally done that they could go resell and sell to services or business people who need video content creation. So these are things that basically took four jobs and in one moment eliminated the time required to go find all those people, the time to get them all in flow to do it, and then produce an output of a video that they could literally sit there and do in about 10 minutes. There is innovative and transitory things that are going to change this third version of the internet that when 97, 98, and 99 came around in the years past, there was amazing innovations and changes and people were really scared about how that was going to affect the next stages of the world and their lives and business, et cetera. And then there was the Y2K thing. Let's not even get into that because we all know that was a lot of nonsense. That was like, but yeah. the whole end result of that was it made a significant change and people need to understand where we're at on that curve. We're just curving up on the mass adoption of AI, but AI has been around for 20, 30 years. Make no mistake. Yeah, absolutely. It's been in all the systems and technology and phones and everything. You're just now seeing it reach a fever pitch a point of any lateral or growth curve on a adoption plane. And we're headed up that path, which means at some point up that path, mass adoption is going to occur, at which point you may be behind when you hit mass adoption and you're not anywhere near it around it or understanding how to use it, you would become a victim of it, at which point your job at the local store may be eliminated or your position in some video creation might completely change or run past you, which will eliminate you from not staying involved. And there are areas in which you need to evolve that skill set, evolve that next step, or you will get cut off. You will get left behind because certain things can replace you. Can all things be replaced? No. If I want a professional, really done high-end video, you can't do it this way. You have to go hire some people with the right equipment, right camera, right material. If I really want a full-on script that I'm going to go send to mass media for a news thing or whatever, I'm going to hire somebody who writes like that. It's not going to come out of chat GTP. But there are areas of efficiencies and changes that are coming. I can see LinkedIn and Facebook posts and other things I've used it for writing on Twitter. I saw one earlier that actually rides in your Chrome browser, which is really cool. So you just put a topic into your box on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you click go, and then it just writes the topic into there and you hit post. So I'm like, okay, that's efficient. If it's good, I can tweak it. I can change it a little bit. My original message was into the intent of what I was going to say anyways. That's efficiency. It's cool. And if I can get my message angled and tightened in, there's benefits to that, right? I absolutely agree with that. I think my only concern with a thing like ChatGPT and some of these other writing tools is that is the quality of it. And I feel like... You got to be careful with quality. It doesn't do right at all times, no. And it misspells and goes wrong. And, and I just say, worry hey, about... I, this is actually the truth. And it's, oh, yeah, you're sorry. I'm right. That's right. That is the truth. <laughs> it goes backwards. Yeah, I'm always apologizing. No, I don't want that. Oh, okay. Sorry. But I do think that there's... I mean, it goes also goes back to the reality is we don't, there's just a lot of data going out to each of us every day. A lot. And so I don't think chat GPT is going to make that any better. I think it'll probably make it worse. So there, the, the negatives of mm-hmm. it are more and more stuff out there. Absolutely. Quality of it maybe not being as good, but, but you know, it's like anything you have to balance it out for the, that's the negative, but the positive is also all the things that you were just talking about, a lot more efficiency. There's no reason we should be enslaving over our desks 24 hours a day doing Twitter tweets. 
that's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. AI takes, systems so. and automation can take care of that. Yeah. Well, Sue, we're going to, well, pull off the stock because I could talk to you for another hour. This is, these (laughs) conversations with you have gone very fun. Any last words of wisdom to leave with people today in the space or thought and mindset you're in right now for today? The only thing I would say to people is when it comes to reaching out to people, your audience or potential business partners, just never forget that it really should be about trying to connect with a real human being. And that sometimes it can't be happen. That can't happen in a funnel always. People aren't. That's right. We don't live in funnels. We are human beings with emotions. As much as we would like to throw them into that funnel. And I'm not, by the way, this is not criticizing funnels. I think funnels have their place too. But sometimes the, the human relationships that we all live and breathe on and need for our success might take a little bit of more time to, to nurture them we originally anticipated. No doubt. FLM, funnel lives matter, right? And on that <laughs> note, we better end before we hit, the, <laughs> before we go the wrong direction with this conversation. Yeah, that's Sue, right. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. If you like this episode, please share it with people you think will enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of High Voltage Business Builders. 